Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 62. And today we're joined by a guest star. You probably know her from her newsletter and conference speaking and conferences. We have Natasha Murashev with us. Did I say that right? Yes. You can just call me Natasha the robot. That might be easier. <laughs> okay. So people here probably don't need a lot of an introduction to you. Do you want to tell us about yourself? Uh, sure. So I'm Natasha, and I'm an iOS developer doing Swift pretty much since it came out, um, but also Objective-C before that and a little bit web development. Um, and I might be a robot, <laughs> uh, but I also run a Swift newsletter called This Week in Swift and yes, yeah, speak at a lot of conferences around the world uh, and also uh, organize my own conferences. And I'm also traveling and living the digital nomad sty- uh, lifestyle. So, <laughs> so a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. <laughs> Very busy person, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. <laughs> Not sure why I do that to myself. <laughs> Are you surprised at all about how popular your newsletter has gotten? Uh, so it's not something I I guess I think about, which might be weird. But um, yeah, I started mostly uh, for myself and my blog as well as mostly for myself. So <laughs> uh, when Swift came out, there was just like a lot of stuff that people in the community were writing and I was trying to keep track of it. So uh, my newsletter is a way to just kind of sit down and think about all the new stuff and kind of force myself to learn it and read it. Uh, so, and then other people like it. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, as someone who hasn't dived all the way into Swift, it can be helpful to just kind of keep keep up what's going on for when I do finally uh, dive in deep. <laughs> I kind of have a, a kind of a awareness of what's going on in the periphery. Yeah, I've had people tell me they got jobs as like a Swift expert because they just read my newsletter every week, so they, they're just more knowledgeable <laughs> than the other people. <laughs> Nice. Which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, so in a way you were helping yourself and just shared all of that. Success was a good byproduct. Yeah, it kind of forces me to do it every week. So otherwise, uh, I don't know if I would. So <laughs> this is definitely good to be accountable to other people. Yeah, well, you definitely found a niche. That's a good one. Yeah, lots of fun. So how you were working full time before and still running that newsletter and a blog. (laughs) Did you ever sleep? Uh, Yeah, so I'm actually a big believer in like a sustainable lifestyle. So (laughs) uh, I just know myself really well. So I'm a morning person and I know, you know, as soon as I get home from work, I'm just like, I'm done for the day. I will like sit on the couch and do nothing. Um, So for me, but I know like in the morning I have a clear mind, I have energy, I'm excited to do stuff and to learn things. Um, so usually, you know, I don't have to be at work until 9am. So, um, I would just wake up at 4am or 5am and actually today I woke up at around 4.30. <laughs> so it's not even like if I have a job or not, it's just, um, something, you know, as a morning person, that's just normal. Like if I sleep until six, it's like, oh, my whole day is gone. <laughs> uh, wow. wow. <laughs> so, so usually, you know, I have about two to three hours uh, before work. And I, you know, I started uh, before, you know, it just usually learning something or working on a project, which is uh, based on learning something or writing a blog post about what I learned. Um, So just, I think maybe it's like little things add up. And because I have that time constraint of like, oh, I only have like two to three hours to do like me time. um, It's more efficient. Like I found even like on the weekends I get like a lot less done even though I have a whole day because it's like oh I have a whole day I can go take a break (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like end of day and I didn't do anything so um you know just even like two hours a day is can make a really big difference well that that is you are definitely a morning person that is not me (laughs) 
yeah but i go to sleep at like 8 p.m so i'm not a fun okay. like night person but you know okay. i still i still believe into getting eight hours of sleep um okay. yeah and exercising and eating healthy uh if possible so <laughs> yeah i don't know i can't uh have a clear mind if you know i don't exercise and eat healthy so that's i don't know i believe in like a holistic uh, <laughs> type of approach i guess <laughs> I think that definitely helps. <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah, I think we end up trying to burn the candle at the other end of the stick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and some people are night people and can like stay up later and do stuff after work. Um, I just know, like for me, that's that's just not me. And how how long does it normally take you to adjust? Because you travel a decent amount, right? <laughs> like to get into whenever morning starts, is that normally a pretty easy transition? Or... Yeah, so my uh, I'm also into sustainable travel. <laughs> so uh, I know there's like some people who are just like, I travel every week or like every day and couch surf and all this stuff. So for me, um, I try to stay in uh, the same place for about a month to three months. So it's, you know, it's like I can get my morning routine. I can have, you know, maybe like my grocery store. I can find a gym. So um, maybe like... But even like traveling, um, let's say I was actually traveling too much last month, but it was all in Europe. So the time zone was the same. And then switching to West Coast, which is where I am now, um, you know, maybe it takes like a week or something. But then after that, I'm going to be here for about two months and then I'm going to New York, which is like a three hour difference. So it's not and then I'm staying there for two months. So it's not. Like, I don't, I don't do, like, radical, <laughs> you know, okay. like, I'm flying from Asia to San Francisco to Europe, like, so, um, yeah, so it's also kind of the same mentality of keeping um, sustainable pace and really, like, taking care of myself. So do you follow the hemispheres in, this, in the winter and summer so you never see snow? Yes. <laughs> so this is actually yeah, my first year as a nomad. And um, I was in Amsterdam for October and November. And then it started, yeah, I'm very like a sunshine person. So, you know, I do wake up at like four or five and it's much easier to do that when it's, you wake up and there's sun outside. Um, and then, you know, in Amsterdam, it was already, you know, 8 a.m. was sunrise and maybe like 5 p.m. was sunset. And that just kills me. And um, I was going to go, I think, to Colombia to visit my friend, but then she canceled. And um, I was like, wait a minute, there's like a whole other world where there's summer. <laughs> so, so I actually ended up uh, going to New Zealand for um, about two months uh, for November and December. <laughs> and it was awesome because I got the full day of sunshine and it was super productive and um, pretty relaxing and calming and I got a lot of work done. Yeah. Alex, you're actually from New Zealand, right? Oh, cool. Yeah, that's where my family's from. I I would love to spend some time there with the family and, and work from New Zealand. It's uh, a bit difficult with four people to travel to New Zealand. It's it's not a cheap, uh, cheap flight. Yeah. Your kids would always be on summer vacation, too. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's wintertime there in the summer. Otherwise, I'd be tempted to spend the summer there. Right. So are you working on client work when you're doing this? Uh, no. So I uh, do a lot, like my newsletter sponsorships and my conferences. Um, as the ones I'm holding um, kind of cover a lot of the travel. And then I also speak at a lot of conferences and they cover a lot of the travel. Um, so I already kind of had my own side business, but then uh, when I moved away from San Francisco, I realized I could do it full time because uh, I don't have to pay San Francisco rent. <laughs> so yeah. it's actually not that expensive to like travel around the world compared to living in San Francisco. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I can, yeah. you know, pick up client work if I needed to, which yeah, is not, which is nice. Boring, yeah. that's why we all live in the Midwest. Just, just because it's a lot cheaper than San Francisco for sure. <laughs> yeah. I know my coworkers, even on the East coast had like whole houses with like big backyards for the price of my San Francisco apartment, which was 277 square feet <laughs> and had a Murphy bed. So <laughs> yeah, it was really expensive. Yeah, even in New York, the apartments are expensive. 
Yeah, New York. Well, the thing about traveling full time is I can also um, switch up kind of exp my expenses because I don't have, you know, rent to pay. So, for example, last month I was based in Warsaw. I kind of traveled around from there, but, you know, my whole apartment for the entire month was like super cheap and their food there was like you can get like a fancy three-course meal and it'll barely be ten dollars so <laughs> so you can kind of you know i kind of have more freedom to be like okay this is going to be an expensive month versus okay now i need a cheaper month i can go somewhere cheaper um hmm. so i think there's just more flexibility versus uh hardcore this is my rent payment every month so how, how does that work if you like ship a box of things around or do you just no, travel I... <laughs> around with a couple of suitcases? Yeah, I just have all my stuff is two suitcases and a backpack. So I have a big suitcase and a small one. So when I was based in Warsaw, I could kind of leave my big suitcase and then travel around with a smaller one. Uh, so for like, it's nice for like weekend trips. Um, but yeah, that's basically all my stuff. Like I don't, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I lived in a small apartment in San Francisco and I always have a nomad mentality so even though i lived in san francisco for five years i didn't really have any stuff so when it was time to move it was just like okay like i guess i have a few dishes i can give away and uh, craigslist is awesome like someone came and like picked up my mattress for me and paid me for it it was awesome <laughs> 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 i didn't have to it's move it deal. yeah <laughs> i mean other i had because i had a murphy bed like there that came with the apartment i didn't have like a bed frame or anything um, and then, you know, maybe I had some extra clothes that I threw out, but yeah, I don't really know. I don't really have stuff. So, so uh, it's, uh, I guess, not a big deal for me. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty cool though. I wish I could get down to less stuff. Cause I know some nomads are very like, I only have a hundred things or like, I have three pairs of socks. Uh, <laughs> but you have to do a lot of laundry. Yeah, like, like yeah, that. laundry is hard and I like my socks. I, like, you know, I don't... <laughs> so I probably overpack compared to other people, but I'm also not, you know, they're also kind of like more backpackers and they're moving around a lot more. So that's, you know, because I stay for one to three months, it's like not a big deal to have, you know, okay, one day I have to pack and then go somewhere and then I unpack and I have, you know, my life there for a month. So how did you find out about this style of living? Oh, uh, I've always wanted to do it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I always like moved around a lot anyway. So it's uh, maybe like more, it just comes maybe naturally to me. Um, so it's something I've always aspired to do. And then when the chance came, I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, it's just more like how do you adjust your work? Um, to be and before I was just working at companies where you had to relocate to San Francisco <laughs> or live live in San Francisco or live I used to live in DC so usually I worked in companies where I had to be present uh, location based uh, but yeah I, I don't know just normal or not nor like I've always wanted to do this so um, actually I do it very differently than like, it's really hard to find, like, travel bloggers who are not maybe, like, extreme. Like, oh, I have no job and, like, I have no money and I'm going to couch surf every day and, like, backpack through Latin America. <laughs> so there's, like, really ex maybe extremes or they're, like, students. But that's not what, like, I know that, like, for me that wouldn't work. Like, I need my own space, for example. So I'm big on, okay, I need an Airbnb for myself and I need to be able to afford it. But, you know, I'm not okay like couch surfing because being in a new country or new environment is stressful enough and I need to have a safe space for myself. And I'm also working. Um, so I need, you know, I do need my own space. So that's a requirement for me. So it's mostly just uh, knowing that I wanted to do it and then finally like building a lifestyle where that was possible. Yeah, and imagine it'd be hard to find a couch that you could sleep on at 8 p.m. Yeah, well, people use couch surf. There was this lady I was reading about, and she wrote a book because I was like trying to read books. I didn't, yeah, like most people are like, oh, I'm going to do this in a year, and they're like smart about it. But um, I, I was like, 
oh, I can do this in like a month. Okay, cool, let's do it, <laughs> let's do it. You know, I've always wanted to do it, but I wasn't like, I guess, as educated about it even. Um, but yeah, so I was like on the road already in New Zealand, like reading books about travel or like, you know, optimizing my finances for travel, for example. But this lady, she has a book on how to travel the world on like $10,000 or like Australian dollars, so it's like less than $10,000. And uh, in it, um, I mean, the secret is she's couch surfing, so it's free. And then she's eating granola, basically. But yeah. like in it, she kind of mentions at what point, it's like, you discover a lot when you travel. And like one thing you might discover is that you like working in a cubicle. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if you couch surf and like, <laughs> eat granola yeah. every day <laughs> uh, yeah, you know so you that's yourself. yeah like and you're not you know being sustainable with yourself that's yeah it's not gonna be a pleasant experience <laughs> so there's actually not a lot of resources for people who are like I'm just working because most of my life is the same as anywhere else like most of uh, most of my days are I work I cook or go out I go to the gym <laughs> so it's pretty boring the only thing is when I go out I have a different scenery or like once a week I'll go on an adventure and like see the area and because I'm there for a month it's a sustainable thing where I can still see a lot but still get a lot of work done and eat healthy and work out so um, but I haven't seen many maybe books or blogs that reflect kind of a more sustainable lifestyle that could be your second newsletter Yes, yeah, so I actually do have another blog uh, called Natasha the Nomad. <laughs> so I try, it's pretty slow, but <laughs> I try to blog about um, about this just because there isn't that much information about it. Hmm. Check that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of times when people go on vacation, it's not sustainable because they're trying to take in everything. Just yeah. And this is, and that's the thing. This is not a vacation. So this is, you know, this is my life. And that was kind of a big habit for me to get out of. Cause when I go on vacation, I'm like an extreme, I am the extreme person. I'm like, I need to see everything. And like, if friends go with me, they're just like exhausted. <laughs> yeah. You're drinking from the fire hose. Yeah. I'm just like, I need, yeah. I went to Japan for the first time for two weeks and afterwards, and then like my friend joined also, but then I did most of the planning and then I was on the plane. I was like, wait a minute. I don't think she knows. But luckily she was okay <laughs> with it. But I was like, oh wait, this is extreme. Uh, but yeah, so I think like about being a digital nomad means one, like being okay with not seeing everything. But then because I have this option, I think the problem is like in the US, you get only two weeks of vacation. So then you have like, I have to see, do and see everything in these two weeks. And there's like this time pressure. Uh, but as a nomad, it's like, okay, I'm here for a month. I have to work most of the time. Like once in a while, I'll go out and like go see something cool or do a tour. And then, you know, will I see everything here? No. Like <laughs> I was in Tokyo for two months and um, mostly I worked because I had to organize my conference. So, and there's like so many things I can probably see five years of things there. Um, but now I know, like when I first went to Japan, I was like, this is the only time I'll ever go. I'll probably never be back here again. I have to see everything. But as a nomad, it's like, oh, I'll come back one day and see more, like, and it's okay. So <laughs> it's like FOMO free. It's hard sometimes because I do want to see everything, but um, but I think it's just that like it's gonna be okay. I can always come back here and see more. But yeah, you also probably get to see the small things that you wouldn't normally see if you're rushing through a place. So like the the nice little cafe or yeah, and it's kind of the yeah exactly, and it's like the everyday things or like you know I was like again like in Japan I went to this. Uh, cafe and I ended up talking to the chef and he didn't know English but we spoke over Google Translate <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes I get into weird uh, workout classes <laughs> I'm like oh I didn't know this was an exercise so <laughs> so it's like small definitely smaller things uh, which are really interesting and also meeting locals and uh, learning more from that 
And so you did go to Japan and you had a conference there. How did you decide to, to go to Japan to have a conference? So I like Japan and I like Swift. <laughs> There isn't really a logical、um, reason, but I did, I did my two weeks in Japan and just like really fell in love with it. And I kept talking about it at other conferences with other speakers. And they were just like, yeah, if there was, you know, they're like, I love Japan too. And if there was a conference in Japan, I would totally come. Um, and then that happened a bunch of times. And then one day someone said it again. I'm like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> so, <laughs>、uh, so um, yeah, I think one of them knew someone. So I reached out to that person. And、uh, he ended up actually working for Realm, who I know from San Francisco and speaking at their amazing meetups.、Uh, so they immediately came on board、um, and were very supportive. And,、um, It kind of went from there. And then I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it's still, still don't know how it happened because I don't speak the language. I'm not from there. I was only there for two weeks before this. So,、um, but then, of course, like it, it just became crazy. And there were like over 500 people from, I think, 150 people just traveled there from all over the world. There were like 30 students from the Philippines that their school sent them. Uh, it just <laughs> got crazy. That is amazing. <laughs> so, that was definitely、um, a really incredible experience. And also, working with、uh, the you know, Japanese developers was just amazing because they have, you know, get to learn how they work and、um, just, yeah, just really cool. So, I'm looking at the, the speaker list from TriSwiftConf in, in Japan, and I see a lot of people's names I recognize kind of from the American. Conference circuit, but there's a lot of ones I don't. Were, were there a lot of like、uh, native Japanese people there? Did they do their talks in Japanese or? Yeah, so it was, was it mostly English.、Uh, so it was actually a bilingual conference.、Uh, most people in Japan, they know、um, English like from school. So like I learned Spanish in school, but will I be able、mm-hmm. to like speak and understand it? <laughs> Probably not.、Uh, so they can even, like, you know, some of them have like amazing open source libraries that are like really nicely written in English that I use, and I would have no idea. But then I'm like sitting at dinner and they're like, oh, I wrote this framework. And I'm like, what? I'm using this. So they're really good at like writing English, but then not speaking as well.、Um, so we had to make our conference in both、uh, Japanese and English, and we had to hire a Translation service, which was really phenomenal. So, they basically, when you speak English, they would just translate、uh, simultaneously to Japanese. And then the, there were some、uh, Japanese speakers as well. So, I think around six.、Um, and they, that was translated to English. Which was, I just, <laughs> during the conference, I wanted more Japanese speakers just so I can hear the translation because it was so amazing. <laughs> But、uh, Ayaka, she actually did her talk in both Japanese and English at the same time. And it, there's actually, <laughs> yeah, her video is up on Realm and it's like the most amazing <laughs> thing. Because <laughs> I speak Russian, but I, I wouldn't be able to give you know, a technical talk in Russian. And I'm imagining that with English at the same time. I, I can't. So she's basically.、Um, I, I, yeah, like a superhero. I, yeah, it was just, yeah, you can see the video and the way she did it was like super smooth and just really amazing. I'll have to put that one in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>、mm-hmm. And it's a good talk, obviously, obviously as well.、Um, but yeah,、uh, it was a mix of different speakers from around the world,、uh, which was the goal. And it was really cool for、um, in Japan because they have their own blogging systems and they have, they have like really, really amazing developers. But because it's all in Japanese, they don't really you know, interact as much with the English <laughs> or you know, like American or European developers. So it was just really an amazing experience to have the translation. And now some of them are starting to collaborate a lot more and some of them are working together on like open source libraries. So it's It like became,、oh, they brought、cool. the world closer to, together. <laughs>、uh, some of them are coming to the New York、uh, conference. So, because、um, they're like,、oh, I want to meet like new people. So, 
I don't know. Uh, that that part of it was just the most most amazing part for me, just bringing together people from around the world, because I do like to travel and meet people around the world. So it was basically bringing that my passions of travel and development together. Yeah. So so you're going to do this a second time in New York. Yes. In September. What kind of things can we expect from that? Um, it's gonna be very exciting. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, the first one is um, I wanted to make sure to have completely different speakers. So, uh, and actually, there's like so many people that I want to hear from. And I travel to a lot of conferences and hear a lot of people and talk to them. So, um, it was really important for me to kind of bring the best people. And, um, but also, uh, one big thing we have is a Q&A session. So after each talk, um, you have access to the speaker uh, to go and talk to them for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and ask them what, whatever question you have or just speak to them. Um, and that comes from basically me going, <laughs> speaking at conferences, and I find that there's this awkward, like, a bunch, you know, right after my talk, like 10 people would come up. Um, but then there's really, really no time because I have to leave. So another speaker can come in and then the other time people can talk to me is like in line for lunch or a snack. So there isn't really much built in time to talk to speakers. And then some people are like more shy or nervous to talk. <laughs> so, which is funny cause <laughs> like you can just talk to me. Um, so I end up actually speaking to just other speakers which is cool, but I want to talk to other people. Um, so the Q&A is just meant for to be like, hey, the speakers, they are at this time, and you can go talk to them, and it's supposed to be less maybe intimidating and more, you know, there's more space and time to do it. Um, and then, of course, we're organizing a lot of social events, so there's going to be a you know, pre-conference meetup, and we're having a party. <laughs> there's going to be glow sticks and a band. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm having um I don't know if you know Hector Matos and Kate Houston they're going to MC. Um and they're both like really hilarious. <laughs> so um it should be a lot of good stuff. It's in New York. So one of the big feedback things we got from Tokyo was like people were excited to be in the city cuz there's a lot of other things they can do. So um you know same for New York. Uh there's people coming to this conference from you know, like Amsterdam, Sweden, some people from Utah, San Francisco, so from all around the country and the world. Um, and it's also going to be it's uh, on Labor Day weekend. So then there's a lot of people just coming into town, coming to the conference, and then they can do a long weekend and hang out in New York as well. And expense it on their, their taxes. They can write that off as a business expense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like I'm, yeah, like I'm doing. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so is the the Q and A? Do they go into a separate room, or they, or is it just? Yeah, so it's gonna be outside the main. Um, there's gonna be a lobby, so it's just gonna be a pretty like informal. Like in Tokyo, we did have a separate room, but uh, the venue I'm gonna be using here most likely, uh, they kind of have this like empty lobby area and we're going to have possibly like you know tables and couches and things like that so basically you just go there and the speakers there and you talk to them but it's mostly about having the time and space to talk to the speaker versus kind of like rushed like oh i'm scared to talk to you i'm sorry i'm taking up your time or oh there's someone behind me so <laughs> that's mostly the goal of it right so it's a single track conference, right? Well, it's a single track in terms of talks, but then if you want to do Q and A, you would have to miss the next talk. Okay. And obviously, you can probably you know find the speaker at other times, but um, this was meant to be like they will for sure be in this space <laughs> at this time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of a two track, yeah, sort of two trackish. Yeah. Or in a way, like the labs at wwdc yeah exactly yeah and it was really cool in tokyo because we also had translators go up um so they you know so then like a japanese person can ask a question and like in english and it was translated live so that was just amazing to see have you published the speaker list 
Yeah, most of it. So it's uh, tryswiftnyc.com. Okay. Keeping a couple back yep. in your pocket. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is uh, when I was starting to organize my uh, conference in, in Tokyo, like I've never done this before. So, of course, you know, I asked other conference organizers what they do. And uh, one of them, uh, Chris Adolf, uh, he mentioned he, you know, he's like, you keep people, you know, you don't have the speakers like all announced. You like announce them one at a time to keep the excitement going, which I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, that makes a lot of sense. And then I started doing that in Tokyo. And the, my Tokyo organizer was like, hey, everyone is confused because <laughs> in Japan, it's very like when you go to a restaurant, you have like actual like plastic printouts of your food. So you know exactly what you're getting. And really? yeah, it's like it's even, you know, like I don't know Japanese, but I can go to a restaurant and order very easily because I can either see a clear picture of the food or like a whole 3d model <laughs> of every single item <laughs> on the menu so it's kind of the culture there like what am i paying for just tell me so it was like a very confusing thing for them to be like why are you announcing like just <laughs> why are you announcing yeah. the speakers why is this a secret this is weird um so <laughs> yeah i even went to yeah. get a haircut and i was worried because i'm like how am i gonna get a haircut in japan uh, but they actually have like a magazine with like every single haircut possible sorted by <laughs> hair length and you just point at a picture and then they do it. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like a no surprise culture <laughs> maybe. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, for the American audience, <laughs> I'm keeping it more of a mystery and announcing um, a few more speakers in the coming weeks. Okay. It is interesting to go to, to another place and not be literate. My brother lived in Japan for oh, wow. a few years and he was teaching English and he'd go to the grocery store and he wouldn't know if he was buying chicken or pork <laughs> or salt or sugar. Well, the thing is, um, Google Translate is amazing. <laughs> There's now like functionality where you like you take a video and it'll tr like live translate anything you're pointing to. Yeah, this is definitely in the days so, before that. Yeah, but this is, I'm sure like five, this is probably like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah, like I can't imagine, you know, just Google Maps and like Foursquare, like all these technology, like I don't know how, like how I would have survived <laughs> in Definitely. you know in many countries i'm basically my most of my state is like i'm lost <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing I'm lost. Tell or me where, where i, I am but because yeah, i have you can't my take phone, the digital out of the digital nomad right no <laughs> yeah like my phone is my you know like i can't live without it i actually had it I don't know. I was stupid and didn't have like an external charger because in the US, like my phone battery was fine all day. Um, and then, yeah, like in Japan, I like I, I was traveling and my phone was dying, but it said, okay, it's 15% battery. But the thing is, um, like, one thing I realized is that my things I take for granted in terms of like visual cues are very Western. So if I'm in the US, like it's really easy for me, like I'll take a map somewhere and then after I get there, I can easily navigate back because I notice like, oh, that's like the street name or like, oh, that's a cool building or like I'll see different landmarks and I'll be able to easily navigate back. But in Japan, like everything is in Japanese and it all kind of looks the same to me. So it's it was really hard. <laughs> even from you know my metro stop to get to my apartment, I would have to use Google Maps like every single time. And then it brought me there and then the phone died, but I knew it wasn't oh. the right place because they also have like a weird address system and my phone died. And I was like, I don't know like what I would do because one, like I realized I didn't know what my building looked like <laughs> where, where I was staying. Cause they all kind of blend in for me. So yeah. there wasn't, I didn't like stand there and like stare at it and like try, like I didn't do a conscious, like this is where I live. <laughs> Cause I, I usually <laughs> don't, you know, it just becomes naturally. And um, so like, and 
so and I didn't know the address because it was on my phone like I, I was stupid and didn't like write it down but you know even if I did like if I showed it to a Japanese person they might have no idea because it's not in Japanese characters so the only solution would have been like ask a person to give me their iPhone charger <laughs> but I don't speak <laughs> Japanese so right. uh, luckily in that situation I kind of realized that you know, I was like, oh, my apartment is in an alley, but this is the main street. So I kind of realized I had to, like, walk around to the alley side. And, like, I figured it out. But after that, I bought, like, a 4X, like, battery, <laughs> external battery charger. <laughs> so I was like, I, I do not have, like, a plan B. Like, I, I, <laughs> I rely on my phone for, like, everything. Like, I, you know, there's no... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's really different in other countries. Maybe you don't speak the language or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it gets crazy. That just sounds terrifying for me. <laughs> yeah, it was like a terrifying moment. Um, even like in I was in Seattle for a week and my computer broke. And I was like, oh, I'm glad this happened. Like I was actually happy <laughs> it broke in Seattle because, you know, like uh, right before this I was in Warsaw. And they don't even have an Apple store. Apple store. They have like Apple, like certified fixing stores, but there's no, <laughs> you know, like if my computer broke and Apple was like, yeah, we need three to five days to like fix this, and I immediately ended up buying another computer because <laughs> I was like, I don't have a plan B for <laughs> for this, and I can't be without my computer for three to five days. Um, so now I have a backup you know like a macbook air just in just in case <laughs> but yeah i've heard of people that they'll buy the backup computer because they have the 14 day return policy just return it up when they get their old machine back yeah they told me to do that so i do have the option to do that but then you know again like i don't i should have this as a plan it just <laughs> it's like one of the things i'm learning <laughs> Because again, like if my computer breaks, like in a foreign country where they don't have a Apple store or like easy access to fix it, like there, there's not much I can do. So I'd rather have that as a plan B. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a whole different dimension you have to consider. Yeah. If you live in a place where you, there is an Apple store, then definitely take the 14 day thing, return it. That's fine. But. <laughs> If I'm in yeah Poland, <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Yeah, most of the time I'm just figuring things out on the road, so I'm not I'm not like a very maybe like organized traveler. <laughs> I have some friends who are more organized traveling like once in a while than I am like for full time. But I think that helps you in a way because you can just go with the flow and react when you need yeah, to. Yeah, it's basically a lot of just like improvisation, and it's like well. This did not work out the way I wanted to. <laughs> What's right. the... so I'm gonna do this. What do I do now? And definitely some days it's like frustrating because there's definitely days where like, oh, nothing. You know, I got to this new country. I don't know where the ATM is or, you know, they don't, you know, in Amsterdam, they don't bag your groceries. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, so you're standing there. And yeah, the there's a like, person behind um, you. And then they're just like, oh, and like we only like people don't like American credit cards because they don't they're not safe. So like a lot of right. countries will not accept American credit cards. Um, yeah, we don't have the chip and pin, right? Yeah, we just, <laughs> yeah. Now they've switched to chip, but apparently without the pin, it's like not. <laughs> It's different, yeah. I don't think it does mm -hmm. much. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was like, oh, I already like bought the groceries, but then the person's like, go to the ATM. And there's like all these people behind me, and I'm just like the annoying person going to the ATM, trying to get money. Oh, it stinks. And I don't know how much the conversion is. And then after that, I have to like learn that I have to bag my groceries. <laughs> so there's just yeah. basic, I guess, like things that most people take for granted are just like sometimes like the worst thing, you know, some days. <laughs> yeah, it's a nomad. Right. So it was I think it was surprising for us a little bit too when we went to San Francisco the first time uh, that the, after they'd introduced their bag charge. It's like, oh I gotta pay for this thing. I'll just carry my stuff. <laughs> yeah, I had I'm actually like in America right now <laughs> in this like small town. 
and I went to the grocery store and, you know, my Airbnb is not that far. Like it's definitely walkable, but it's up a hill and they have the paper bags and they put like, and I, I guess I bought too many groceries. And then as soon as I like walk outside, the bag already breaks (laughs) and it's heavy. And then I was like, okay, this little town does not have an Uber. (laughs) <laughs> and I like Googled and there's a taxi service and the taxi service is like, it's going to take 20 minutes. And, you know, my ice cream is melting. So now I have to eat it all. <laughs> but it's like, how does it take Horrible. 20 minutes? This is like a small town. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it's like, yeah, this is in America, just not knowing. Um, just the local customs. Yeah, it's like, oh, just not living there means... You just don't know the basic things that like most people know, which is the other point is talk to locals. That's the key. <laughs> yeah, so you're in California now, right? Uh, so I'm actually in Washington. Uh, so oh. yeah, I've been traveling too much uh, and speaking at too many conferences last month. <laughs> to, it was really intense. So I'm doing um, kind of like hiding away in the middle of nowhere uh, <laughs> and not talking to anyone for until WWE. Who did you piss off? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just need, it's more like self-care, right? So, yeah. um, okay, like I need me time because I'm an introvert and I talk to too many people and then I'm going to San Francisco for, you know, Altconf and WWDC and then I'm going to New York and I'm going to be meeting with a lot of people. So just more, hey, I need a month to like in a beautiful yeah so this is in northern washington it's called uh, port townsend it's like the small town uh north of seattle and you have to take like two ferries to get there which i didn't know that sounds <laughs> really cool uh, yeah uh yeah i had to i didn't like the bus took four hours but it said on google maps with the car it's like two hours so i was like oh maybe i'll take an uber but I didn't realize there were ferries and there's like like the reservations and stuff because like people live in places <laughs> where you have to like have a ferry and like when you go from work you have to like ferry over and be like on time for the ferry because it only runs <laughs> once an hour. <laughs> so I was like with this Uber <laughs> driver, I don't know. Hopefully he didn't get stuck on the other island. <laughs> I don't know. I felt bad. Um, yeah, but it's really nice. There's ocean and, uh, yeah, it smells really nice. That always surprises me in San Francisco, kind of like, you know, (laughs) it smells bad. So so I'm still, yeah, like, or like people defecating on the street. (laughs) So, (laughs) so whenever I go to like a place where it smells nice outside, it's always like, oh, it smells nice. This is so nice. Like I can breathe. (laughs) Yeah, I had a word. So stay away from the San cow Francisco. pastures. <laughs> <laughs> the um, cow pastures don't smell good. Yeah. <laughs> but with, with Dub Dub around the corner, uh, and they just cut that the first like preview branch of uh of the Swift 3 release. There's not that much mystery, you know, as to what we're gonna get, uh Dub Dub. Um is there anything that you think they'll surprise us with or that's on your wish list for Swift? Yeah, uh, the main thing is just around the tools. So I just want, you know, refactor, rename. <laughs> so that'd be nice. That's all I want. <laughs> that like that'll be a big thing. Um, but you know, just any Xcode, you know, improvements <laughs> would definitely just the tooling basically to work better with Swift. Okay, it seems like it's gotten a lot better, but there's still ways to go over. <laughs> yeah, just refactoring. So just that would be a big win. Yeah, I think you're, the... you're, you're doing Objective C, Argo, so you, you think it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't hear people complaining on Twitter about the source kit crashes anymore. So there are yeah. other types no, of crashes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not bad, but I just want to refactor. <laughs> yeah, refactor would be nice. Yeah, but I like would be cool if like Xcode is open source or something crazy like that. That could be a game changer. Yeah, because I think uh, there's a lot of people in the community who are already, you know, building plugins and all that stuff. So it'd be cool if they could actually build it into Xcode. Yeah, because Apple has so much bandwidth to do it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind a JetBrains plugin to do refactoring. They're they're pretty good at that stuff. So so you you'll be attending AltConf? Yes. Um and just obviously like hanging out with people. <laughs> Last year mm -hmm. uh, I had a ticket, but I ended up well the first year I went, I just went like all in and crazy and it was really exhausting. <laughs> and did everything. <laughs> yeah. Um and it, it was just yeah again like not sustainable cuz I, I needed a lot of time to recover. So this year and and last year um I did want to be more sustainable. So I went to like a lot of sessions, but then I also was just like, hey, let's meet for coffee or lunch. Like the sessions are recorded, like so uh I'll mm -hmm. be able to see them later and um, I also took naps during the day to refresh, and then I could like go out more at night. So I don't know. I really enjoyed it <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> uh, so I'm doing a similar thing where um, I'm actually not even making any plans. So you know, I'll want to. I'm speaking at AltConf, um, and I'll want to meet with people, but I'm not like scheduling anything. I just I like the serendipity of it of just like bumping into people and like going to lunch with them. Um yeah. And then things come up, they come up. Uh but yeah, I'm not like going crazy. <laughs> mm hmm I think two two of the three of us will be out there. Oh nice. Yeah, happy to meet up. Okay. Yeah, I got a ticket to Dub Dub and Argo, you have a ticket to AltConf, right? Yeah, I'm doing the fly by the seat of your pants plan too. So <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I got the, I got my plane ticket, I got the hotel, so I'll just go there, and I guess all comp sounds good. I'll get it to that. I really enjoyed it <laughs> last year as like a getaway, because uh, WWC, like the there's to me because I'm an introvert, like all the people are just exhausting. So even if it's I just walk into Moscone. Uh, I just get tired because there's just a lot of people um, and there's just a lot of yeah, space. Yeah, just looking at all those lines. Yeah, it's just like, like a very <laughs> stressful thing. And then like, you know, the lunch is bad. So I have to go find another, you know, I'm hungry or whatever. I need mm -hmm. to find other food. So it's like, um, so yeah, last year I would go to AltConf and because it's a movie theater, there's just like smaller spaces. And it was really, it felt really nice because there was just like a small space. And then I talked to a few people. Yeah, it was like very nice and calming and enjoyable. So just even if you don't go to the talks, just like going there is pretty cool because just people just okay. hanging out and, um, yeah, it's just like a less stressful atmosphere. Yeah, stress is no good. <laughs> the sessions are definitely high quality at AltConf too. Yeah, definitely. I enjoyed those. I, mean, <laughs> I took the week off of work and just streamed everything. Oh wow! <laughs> with AltConf and in DubDub, so it was really nice. Yeah, you get basically the best people in the industry there, and you get to talk to them and hang out with them. So uh, can't beat that. I think that covers everything. In there. Did you want to add anything or? Uh, yes. So uh, for TriSwift NYC, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, there's I'd like to offer a hundred dollars off the tickets, and you can use the code Shared Instance One Hundred, all caps. That's great. Yeah. Hope to see you there. <laughs> see if I can convince my wife. <laughs> she can come with. It's New York. Okay. Well then, who's yeah. gonna watch my kids? They can't. Come. She would actually love to come to New York. You can dump the kids on the grandparents; they love it. It's New York. You can go see a play. It's all. It's Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to talk to her about that. Mm -hmm. you, you're convincing me. It's New York. Definitely. It's so much fun in the fall. The weather will be nice. Yeah, it'll be my fourth conference this year. That year, though. <laughs> I've gone to Morse. <laughs> I've gone yeah, to four say, you're not, you're probably in the sympath last month. There. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the gauntlet's been thrown down. <laughs> Only four, Sam? Well, no, no conferences <laughs> for me, uh, because I travel a lot and I'm alone, um, it's just like a way to be like, I have friends. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty good because I get to see, you know, similar people in like different places and then also get ice cream with them and yeah it's really nice i love conferences <laughs> mm -hmm. what's your favorite flavor of ice cream 
it's a hard one. So currently, <laughs> there's this like Whole Foods like store uh, in this town, and they have this peanut butter dark chocolate popsicle thing. And it's like, I'm addicted. I ate, I only ate one so far today. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing. It's still early. It depends. In Japan, I love the green tea ice cream. Um, oh, yeah, they get some interesting flavors. And then in Amsterdam, they had the Stroop waffle ice cream, which was really exciting because Stroop waffles are amazing. So, yeah, it depends on the place. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco okay. Smitten ice cream, uh, if you haven't been there. And New York, I don't know. I haven't done much. That's, I'll be there in the summer, so that, that'll be a task. <laughs> I have to get that figured I out. Will, I will let you know <laughs> by the time of the conference. I do know everyone was impressed. Um, in Japan, they also had a place that had vegetable-flavored ice cream, which sounded like beets mm. and asparagus hmm. ice cream. Oh, yeah. But it was asparagus. like, it was amazing. <laughs> Because it was just, like, so fresh. It was, like, from a farm. And, um, yeah, they just – I love that place. Um, yeah. I, if you come to New York, I will <laughs> let you know the best ice cream place because I will personally test them out for you. For you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks a lot for uh, joining us on the on the podcast. It was fun talking to you. But I think that's about all the time we have. So uh, why doesn't everyone tell us where we can find them on the Internet? Thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm Natasha the Robot for my Swift stuff. And then if you want to follow my travel things, I also have another Twitter and blog called Natasha the Nomad. And I'm at Sam Corder on Twitter. I'm AJ Robinson on Twitter. You can find me at Alex Argo. Uh, as usual, the, the show notes for this episode are at sharedincense.com slash 62. And... Leave us reviews. Come hang out with us on Slack. Go to chat.sharedinstance.com. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week.